When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back for another episode of In the End Zone with Coach Noel Mazzoni. And today we're going to focus on the topic of what are you doing? What is your approach when you're facing the superior opponent? Of course, we all like to think we're going to go into a game and we're going to win, and that's the thought. But sometimes you have to take the approach that you need to focus on, really. We know they might be better in this area, so how do we approach that? So, Coach, first of all, thanks again for being back for another week. Always a pleasure, Keith. Another great weekend of games, and and kind of what spurred this thought for me was, you know, of course I'm watching the Browns, but going into that game, the the Browns had some issues with personnel. They were down an offensive tackle. They were down a quarterback. They were down two running backs, and injuries have plagued them all year round. And, And, you know, the approach probably at that point isn't, whether it's through injury or just you're facing a team that's a just a juggernaut that, you have to get a, a really laser-like focus into what the attack's going to be. Not that we don't do that anyway, but I think this demands even more refining. Your thoughts on that, Coach? I think that goes in your game planning phase. Obviously, I always go back to the same old deal, right? Schemes don't win football games. Players win or lose football games for you. So our job as coaches is to put the best scenario or the best position that they can win football games. So then as you as I break down film, not only are you looking at the formations, the I mean the defensive tendencies, the fronts, the coverages, blah, blah, blah. But I also think you have to, as you watch breakdown film, is identify two types of players that you're playing against. One is the fish, all right? So the guy you want to attack, you know, it might be a corner, it might be a safety, it might be a defensive end, whatever, all right? So you try to evaluate, okay, this is a guy we really want to go after. All right, and make him stop us. Then the other guy you look for is you try to ID the guy that can ruin the game for you, Aaron Donald. All right, well, he can ruin the game for you. J.J. Uh, Watt can ruin the game for you. You know, those, those type of guys. And so then, then once you ID those guys, obviously as you build your plan, you have to have that in the back of your mind of, all right, I'm going to tell you a story, a quick story, okay? So I'm at Texas A&M, and we're playing Tennessee. And – uh and we were, I mean, we were like, we actually ended up being a number one offense in the SEC that year. And uh, we could run the football. I think our running back rushed for like 15, 1,600 yards. So we're playing Tennessee, and I keep calling runs, and like, we're not making anything. So I'm getting a little frustrated. And Coach Summon walks over and says, hey, uh, you know, you might want to call all your runs to the left. I go, why is that? He said, because you see that defensive end right there? And we had a defensive end named Miles Garrett, <laughs> yes. who you know, right? He was one of our defense. Okay, he said. You see that defensive end right there that Tennessee has? Yeah, he may be better than 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 the one we've got in my, uh, with Garrett, and it was Burnett. So I was like wrong and in going into that game and thinking, well, it doesn't matter. I can run. I can call my offense. I'm not really worried about the personnel. 
All right. And it really made me go back and realize, hey, you got to recognize the personnel you're going against. We end up winning the game and I end up running, calling 80 percent of my runs to the to the uh, left instead of right because he was our left defensive end. So just an example of guy, there are guys that can get you out of your game plan. Right. Because of who they are, not how they line up. Definitely. I I prefer the situation, coach. I don't know how you feel when I can find those guys on a certain side direction of, of the ball. So if they're on the right end or the left end, to me, it's a little bit easier than when they're on the interior. But there's ways to handle them there, too. When you're facing that Aaron Donald type, that guy inside, right, a guy who could be a force, you can't necessarily run away unless you get outside, but certainly got to account for him in pass protection, too. How do you like going against that kind of guy and planning for how you're going to be effective there? Well, you can always, at least in the middle, unless they're a bare front, I mean, they're not going to cover all three of your inside guys. All right? So obviously, the outside guys, you can help with tight ends. You can chip with tight ends. You can chip with backs. You can do things to outside guys to help those tackles. All right? But so, And your help on the inside is usually coming from your uncovered linemen. So then that kind of narrows it down to, okay, so if he's a two-eye or a shade, right, I can get, you know, I can get a double on that guy most of the time, unless they're pressuring to bring him backers. But you know, that's that that just happens. And at some point, guys, guys got to block guys. Mm-hmm. You got to get hats on hats, right? Uh, so now it tends up, okay. Well, this guy's a three technique. How do I help a guard on a three technique that that's that's way overmatched? So now you start to talk to your back or your center about, all right, we've got to help. You know, it's the buddy system, right? So we've got to help. Wherever number 75 lines up or whoever the, the ruin the game guy for you is in the interior, right? The center has to be aware of them and the back has to be aware of them. You're talking, maybe if you're talking pass protection. So there's two viable guys that can lend, lend in hand, that can buddy up with whatever guard ends up with that guy over top of them. And if he's a, if he's a nose, if he's a shade, then obviously one of the guards can, can buddy up with the center. So, you know, it's just basically now I'm not calling any different protections or anything like that. I'm just saying, Hey, back you're in your six man protection. You got say, you know, will the nickel or, or Sam or Mike to whatever you got. Right. Is that, is that you may lose him in your concept because I want you to hold in there. All right. And just cover that, cover the three techniques, the guard on the three techniques. But if he needs help with this guy, all right. So some of your protections now, instead of six man release protections, all right, turn maybe into six man stay protections where you want to keep your back in to help the interior guys. If it's edge guys, there's m- numerous ways you can help edge guys. And that is with your, with your nub tight end. All right. With the back. If you got a, a real badass defensive end you're playing against where he can, what we used to call buster, you know, so we used to, we used to, tell the back you know he's always always on what we call a skippy release in other words he's skipping until he ensures that that tackle is not getting beat on on the edge if he's not getting beat on the edge then he can release so yes you have to not change your scheme as much as much as change some of your responsibilities and just make your offensive interior guys aware of the problem makers i like those kind of protections you think especially you got that guy like a Miles Garrett as an example, coming off the edge, 
And it's just not a necessarily a, a matchup your guy is going to win all the time. You know you have issues with it being able to have somebody, whether it's, you know, I've seen people do it with uh, backs. I'm trying to think. I saw the Saints doing this with uh, who was their little back? Was it Sproles? With Sproles, where he was just coming in, yeah. hitting that de- defensive end in the ribs, and then going out to the flat or checking over the middle wherever he was going. But that's what he was doing on every play. You know, the reaction to that guy is you got to do something. If you're that defensive end, got to do something to get rid of that guy and get that block off, which is going to slow him down and, and give your offensive tackle more of a chance. Well, yeah, because every every tackle in the, in the world, all right, when he's going against a real badass speed rush guy, you know, they can go speed to power. And then the next move, and these speed guys is, is up and under, right? So he's trying to kick his ass off to, to cut the guy off with the pass with on the speed rush. Then the next, then the next move is that guy's, he's going to go speed to power, which nothing you can do there. You got to hold on there. All right. But then he goes up and under. All right. And so you, at least at that tackle, and now you got to communicate this to your tackle that he knows he has that help. Cause now he can set heavy. Uh, he can set heavy inside on that tackle. I mean, on that defensive end. All right. And he can kind of hang for the up and under knowing that he's going to, to get the rolls or the tight end or somebody, you know, taking the edge off that edge rusher uh, on the on the outside. And that's something you got to something you got to work on too, because I've seen it. Because tackles are kind of funny, because because you, you're you're back to your tight end. There's a little bit of an art to it, because because if you if if it's not coached right or done right, you know, sometimes that 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 back will will hurt the tackle more than help him. Let's move that ruin the defense guy around. Let's let's take him out to perimeter of the defense. So make him, you know, your your outside linebacker, safety type, nickel player type, who's going to align over number two. Now I had a a team we were facing, that was their dude, and I had a our best receiver was a little hundred sixty five pound guy, um, but what I saw on film, this guy was was so good that they would press him. Even when, you know, they would get him right up by the line of scrimmage and just disrupt the release of, for a lot of teams, it's that slot receiver, right? So for us, the answer was, the first answer, and it helped a ton, is we just weren't going to be static with that guy. We motioned our guy every play. We might take him outside and stack him and bring him back inside to where he'd be at number two. We might bring him across. But the effect of motion is is to loosen that guy up. And really, that's true of, of any motion. Motion is going to loosen a defender Taking it to you, Coach, the ruin the defense guy being that, that outside linebacker or nickel player who's going to line up over two or three or apex. 100% with you. I mean, here's the things that I've always thought on offense is that things that we are guaranteed, all right, that we control 100%. One is when the ball gets snapped, and the other is where we line up. Okay, because we can line up wherever the hell we want us. So uh, I agree with you. I think uh, – I think you've got to give, you got to make that guy feel uncomfortable. All right. It's pretty easy for him when you got a receiver lined up in the slot and he just gets up and presses the hell out of him and takes away the outside, forces him to the safety or whatever, and just can put hands all over him. But now you stack him, you bunch him, you motion him. I think that's a great answer right there. The other one is I want to make him as many ways as I can the conflict mm-hmm. player. Because usually those real good edge players like that. They love to get involved in the run game, all right? They're aggressive guys. They Maybe maybe he's the guy they, they use as their pressure guy because, you know, he's big, he's athletic, 
or, or whatever. So I try to build my RPO game to where maybe is not as much being the mic factor as my RPO guy, but how can I build it to where the, the, their best player, their best perimeter player at the linebacker level is my conflict player. So now my quarterback's just playing the game off of him. The more that guy has to account for, you make him think, it's going to slow him down, right? So it's as simple as, you know, you're looking at, at some of the route combinations on that guy and where where things are kind of attacking him, I think, is important too. I've always believed the better the player, kind of the more things you, you needed him to think about. So if you're, you know, if you're just giving that guy, you know, he's lining up, let's say he's that edge player uh, or end lining up in a five technique all game long and he's either getting pass protection or zone um, I mean you have to start to to give that guy more things to think about you might want to trap that guy you might want to pin that guy from the outside what we talked about before that that nudge or skip protection again give those guys more things to think about regardless of where they're at because it's going to make them slow down thinking makes you slow down yep you're exactly right and I think about, like you talk about the perimeter guys, I think we played LSU a few years back and they had a uh, strong safety named Jamal Adams. Now this cat, you watch him on film, if it was a run, he's making the play, he's making the tackle for a yard game. And if it's a pass, he's just, he's blanket and, you know, his man coverage guy. So how do you deal with that guy? You know, you got to build, like you said, you got to build some different look formations for him. You got to give him some motions. You got to give him some quick motions across his eyes. All right, so he gets to maybe you can get him to eye violate a little bit, all right? Because this guy's a ball player. I mean, he's a ball hawk. He's gonna go find the football and knock the shit out of it, right? So uh, you know, then then you make him, uh, you know, you make him your your third level uh, run conflict guy, all right? So you force him not to be filling C gaps and D gaps quickly, but understand if he does, I'm gonna throw that ball in behind him or throw a quick out or whatever it is. So yeah, you're exact. You're exactly right. Just as you talked about giving a defensive and different looks, you know, you got to trap them, you got to reach them, you got to base them, you got to double them, you got to do all those type of things. You also think the same way when you have a perimeter guy that's uh, a Jamal Adams type player. Coach, let's move that ruin the game player inside a little bit to the Mike linebacker. Everybody usually has a tough Mike linebacker, but from time to time, you're going to face that guy who. Uh, number one, usually just looks different than everybody else out on the field. He's he's built better, um, mean and nasty. I mean, the 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 prototypical kind of linebacker, right? Those those guys who just excel in the box. If you let them, if you don't do anything to affect them, they're going to shut down your run game inside completely. So thinking about that kind of a guy, what's your approach to handling him? Same way, same way you're going to do with the nickel guy. You know, you want to get, you want to, you know, what type of player is he? Is he a downhill guy? Is he a coast-to-coast, -coast, sideline to sideline guy? Is he fast? Does he just does he just hawk the ball? You know, does he run inside out? You know, so you got to kind of watch him on film. So if you get guys like that, anything that gives, like you said, anything I can just hold him for a step or two, whether it's with motions or pullers or misdirection, uh, you know, things like that instead of like quick pitch. Hey, I'm going to quick pitch it. Well, he knows where the ball is right now and he's going to go get it, all right? So you got to you got to put doubt in his mind also. So I think any of those second-level guys, you see who's their dog, who their dogs are. And then conversely, you got to see who their fish is. I mean, maybe their Will Backer is an undersized guy, and he's their lesser player, all right? Well, how can I build things to 
control the mic, all right, and then get uh, and run my scheme at the nickel or at the will linebacker guy. I want to line up and run ISO at a, at a stud Mike linebacker all day. Hell no. But I may show him mm-hmm. ISO. He's a big downhill guy. I may show him ISO and try to throw it over the top of him. Or what's his responsibility in pass coverage? What are they asking him to do? Just as you you develop a by 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 down distance for a front coverage game plan, I also think now the next thing is I got to look at, okay, who's their personnel, all right? And that, that figures into your how I'm going to game plan this game. Taking things out to the secondary, let's start with uh, the corners, right? Corners can become a problem, whether they're the best cover guys, whether they're physical guys who are going to blow through a, a receiver and try to mess up your bubbles or your key screens. Again, having ways to handle them, stress them, very important. So thoughts on stressing that corner who's the ruin the game guy? First thing is, I think we've talked about this before, is that I think that you have to show the defense that you can be a vertical passing team for the corners. I think you can't live your life horizontally. I think even as much as we want to, get it out quick. As you probably noticed, the better defensive teams that have the better defensive fronts usually play their coverages a little tighter because they know they're not to cover as long. But you're going to find the one fish out there, the guy you want to attack. Don't think the defensive coordinator, he's, he's probably pretty smart too. He's going to have ways to protect that corner, whether he's going to roll the corner up and help him with the safety underneath or, you know, things like that, okay? So that's what I'm trying to do. If you don't go attack that guy and show the defensive coordinator you want to go after that guy, that you're going to make that guy make plays for him all night and force him to say, oh, shit, I can't leave that kid out there by himself. I'm going to have to roll the coverage to him. All right, that's what you want. Now they roll the coverage to him, and now that opens up other opportunities. Because now they just can't go post safety; just locks your guys up and go. It's all by the personnel. Now there's some defenses that are just they're been no, don't break defenses. Their corners going to play seven or eight off inside leverage. You know, force everything to the bound. You know, well then that, you got what you got. But it's those teams that want to play man-to-man coverage. You know, especially like in third-down situations or you know red zone situ- whatever. They want to go some man coverage on you, right? You've got your quarterback and yourself and your game plan has to be has to be figured. How do I get my best player on their worst cover guy? So how can I manufacture that? Which to me usually happens in situational football. Right. I'm going to come out early and go vertical on him, double move him, run some posts on him. I want to put the fear of God in him that I'm going to throw this thing over his head. Yeah, very important to do. I agree. We, we spent some time in a, a number of episodes talking about that, of making sure that you have a vertical game and taking those shots. And I, I think you said, is it uh, seven or eight? How many shots a game you think is enough? I think seven or eight is a good number. Yeah, now unless you're Bruce Arians and then that's seven and eight a quarter. <laughs> I think that should be what you strive for. If it's more, great. Usually how that happens, if you're having success, you do it more, right? right? But even if you're not having success, I still think you have to have to take your shots, all right? And then your plan is, so it's shot, second, and 10. Okay, so what's my play afterwards so I can make, get myself to third and medium? So I want to think of, like, like the game within the right. game, right? The drive, the, you know, each drive is a game to me. You know, each series is a game. So it's shot, okay, I better have it. Because if I hit it, man, I'm tempoed, I'm going. Right? But if I don't hit it, hey. All right, my quarterback's got to know, okay, I'm coming back with this call. Bang, it might be a check down to a back, a little option route, whatever. Get myself to 
third and four to five. All right, now let's go make a first down. I think too much. This is one thing that I've kind of hit as I get older, and I'm not any wiser. I'm just older. All right, but uh, I think I think it's important to spend time with your quarterback. He knows the what. When you call a play, he knows the what. All right, but I, we used to have what we call why and when meetings. But why am I calling this, and when am I calling this? And I think the more I, you can have those conversations with your quarterback and he understands, like, when I send a play in, that he kind of knows, oh, I know why coach is calling this, right? So he's got to be an extension of you on the field. So, oh, he's calling this because he just wants to make five, six. He wants me to, you know, go through my progressions, but, hey, take the check down if I got it, all right? Or he's calling this because, oh, man, this is a shot play, you know? I'm going to try to hold the ball a little, maybe a little bit longer this and, and throw this thing down. So I think we overlook that sometimes. Uh, we sit in meetings all day as coaches, and we come up with all these great game plans. Oh, this play here, and on third down here. Oh, man, we're coming out here, and the first third down here. And, oh, when we hit the red zone, and this is what – so we come up with all these great plans, all right, and then we just put them on a script and go out and run them and don't have the conversation with the quarterback is that, look, this is why we put this play in because this is the for coverage we're kind of getting here. All right. And this is what I'm thinking. And this is when I'm going to call it. So we just call it the why and when meetings with the quarterback when I would go through the script for the day and kind of say, okay, guys, here we go. First, third, and four to five. This is what we're getting. This is why I'm calling this. This is when I'm going to call it. We've talked about the linebackers. We talked about the edge players, guys inside. Let's uh, corners. Let's move it into the safeties. And, you know, safeties in today's game for a lot of teams, those are some of the most dynamic players out on the field. Uh, You see teams who have that hybrid guy who could come down in the box, who could play over the top. Something you certainly have to account for in a game plan. He's definitely a guy who can, unaccounted for, be a big factor in the run game, but at the same time, be a guy who can go and take a, take away the ball in the pass game. So thoughts on handling that guy? That's your, you know, easiest and best uh, conflict player, right? He's got the hardest mm-hmm. job. What's a Mike back? What's a Mike backer got to do? He's got the A gap, but if it's passed to the hook, all right, come on, <laughs> right? Now the guy that's got it tougher is a guy that that maybe is a C gap or D gap player as a safety in the run fit. And then he also has got to help a corner on a post route or he's got to, you know, he's got to cover a vertical or he's got to go fit a curl or he's got to do those type of things. Right. So he's got the hardest job is in, in, in our so-called RPO world, as far as a conflict player, you know, guys that are on the guys are in the, in space, guys like a nickel to the field guy, like a free safety in the boundary, you know, a, a three buzz safety, a safety that's buzzing down because they're, because every defensive coordinator is always trying. He's got to fit all those gaps. So he's always looking for that extra hat in there. He's always looking for guys that have to fit gaps. Well, the guys that have more pass, the most pass responsibility are the safeties. And when I say safeties, I say free safety, strong safety, nickel safety. All right, when you're, you know, when you're in three wide or four wide offenses. So those, the, what I call the, th- the, the third level conflict players. Okay. So I've got to add a gap. All right, to get him involved in the run, all right, I need to add a gap with a tight end or what, or two backs or whatever. All right now, he becomes the the uh, the perfect run run conflict player. So now you build your your concept throws, uh, your RPO concepts, and all that 
off of how he is how he is taught or coached to fitting runs. Game planning certainly becomes more challenging this time of year. We are getting into for the high school guys uh, the playoffs now. Win or go home. And that also means as you get deeper and deeper, the more chances you're going to face one of these ruin the game guys. So hopefully, coaches, you took away something from that. But coach, before we go, it is Halloween here at the end of the week. I want to know what is your favorite trick play? What's your trick? Oh, my God. I saw. Do you watch Ted Lasso? Yes, (laughs) I do. Oh, how about when he put all the trick plays in? (laughs) Right. right? So, you know, I love I love Ted Lasso, all right? Uh, and, his, and I mean, and there's some really good stuff in that whole thing about being oh, a definitely. coach, you know, and and, de- and dealing with your players and, you know, and how players feel. And, you know, we all, we've all had those type of guys that, that Ted has to deal with. And he's, a, I mean, it's just an awesome show. But anyway, um, so I like the whole chaos, right? The whole create chaos. And if you're going to create chaos, it was like, I don't give a damn. Think outside the box, right? And, uh, you know, double reverse, pass, whatever. So back when I, a long time ago when I was at NC State and I worked for a, coach, a head coach named Chuck Amato, Chuck the Chest, an awesome, awesome man, awesome head coach, lo- you know, loved, loved, loved working for him. But he had come from Florida State and Bobby Bowden. But remember back in the day of Bobby Bowden, that's what kind of they were known for, right? Trick mm-hmm. plays. He loved trick plays. I mean, he loved them. And he, again, he was a defensive guy. And he said, even if they don't work, they work. So it could just because it puts chaos, it just puts, like you said, doubt in the, in the offense, in the defensive mind. So to give you, give, give you my best trick play. I mean, a lot of it depends on what, on, on what the, who, what deep type of defense we're playing or whatever, but it's had two rules. One is, I had to call my trick play before the other team called their trick play, which meant, meant you called it early in the game. And I had to call a trick play, every, one trick, at least one trick play every quarter. Okay. So that was his rule. And he would come and say, uh, uh, you hadn't called your trick play yet. And I'd have to, I'd call my trick play. And so we had a whole, so it made me think of it was Ted Lasso because we had a whole, we, we, you know, we game plan third down, we game plan situation. So we, at, you know, in the off season, whatever, we would game plan all our trick plays. Well, everyone we could find, we had a board, right? And guys would come in and, and it was anybody, the GA could walk in, the secretary could walk in. If she had a trick play, they, they would draw it on this board and that board never got erased. And we built this big board of nothing but trick plays. All right. And uh, a la Ted Lasso. <laughs> And uh, so then we would look. So then, then we had a whole menu, or basically a whole library of trick plays that we could pull from. All right, pull from every week on these trick plays. So that was that's there's my answer. I, I love it, Coach. I, I got a good trick play story. Um, this was man, I think it was like 2011, and at the time I was writing, I had just started doing some of my writing stuff, and I. Um, I was writing for American Football Monthly, and so I wrote everything in the summer and, and forgot about it. And they're, they're putting stuff out every week that I wrote, and, you know, I'd, I'd always put some video in. It was online. And so that particular week was uh, Trick Plays. And I had in, in our game plan that week, we had uh, for down on the goal line, we had a, 
a jump pass. We tossed the ball back to the tailback. He came running up to the line of scrimmage and got up in the air and threw it to our tight end. We had a, a flea flicker where you know we handed the ball off to the, to the running back. He pitched it back to the quarterback. We threw it downfield. We had a double pass in there and a reverse as well. And we ended up using all four of those in the game. And the defensive coordinator came across the field afterwards. We're shaking hands. And he, he looks at me and goes, you and your effing trick plays. I'm like, man, did you read my article this week? He's like, no. I'm like, every single one of those was in my article. <laughs> it, <laughs> and uh, it, it was, it was uh, a great game. Um, we had the opportunity to use all those. And then, you know, we used one, uh, another story. We used one in 2015. Um, and uh, it was it, the, the Philly special, right? Philly, Philly. But, you know, we didn't call it that. And it was before yeah. it became popular there. Uh, I want to say Chad Morris was the, the inventor of that play. He probably got it from somebody else, too, at the high school level. But uh, anyway, we ran that one against Wabash. And um, it ended up on ESPN at the end of the year in the in the top uh, top ten trick plays in college football. I remember our SID coming into the office and saying, "Hey, you're on ESPN." And I'm like, yeah, "Get get the heck out of here! I'm not I'm not you know I don't feel like your jokes today." It's like, "No, I swear to God." He pulls it up, and so we were we were the number four trick play that year, and we executed the Philly <laughs> specials. But but I love them. The one thing I do think, and I think is a good tip. For, for figuring out when do you call these. One thing I would always do, and I did have them in my game plan, is I knew exactly where I wanted to run them and from what hash and about what yard line. And one thing I would do in my pregame routine, and I, would, I like calling things from up in the box as the offensive coordinator, is I would visualize the spot on the field when we hit that spot on the field that that was the time to call the play. Now, I would certainly would take into account down and distance, um, but for me, it's like when we get right to that area where I feel it's best, that's when we run that play. And so in that particular Wabash play, I think we got there like second or third play of the game. We wind up right there. I'm like, boom, call it right away. And I think that you have to make it part of, of your thought process as a coach because these things aren't kind of in your normal flow of, of how you call a game. So you have to kind of visualize where exactly are you going to run them. Right, and I think, and I think that you got to – like, they're always the good ones. Like, everybody that's watching TV, you know, sudden change, uh, you know, uh, low red zone, you know, things like that. Everybody's like, oh, oh, you know, when you're hearing the defensive coaches, yeah, watch the tricks, watch the tricks on the other yeah. sideline. I don't know, after sudden change. It's kind of like, to me, like screens, all right? When I'm calling screens, I don't want the I don't want to be in a situation where the D line coach is over there yelling, "Watch screen, watch draw." Right. All right, you know. So I don't want to call them. So so I think you're right. I think about strategically where when you call your screens, your trick plays, all those type of, uh, types uh, of plays in the game is uh, so is very important. Yeah, the other thing I really believe in too is like some of those had to be run um, with you know, a cert, certain part of the formation on our sideline. So, for example, if I'm putting in, uh, let's say, a receiver to throw a double pass, or maybe it's my backup quarterback is in, um, whatever, I really want – I don't want that guy standing next to their coaches, right? When they see something out of the norm, right. and they're good at it, they, they realize, like, I've never seen this guy on the field before. 
uh, if you have that guy, right? Because sometimes you got those guys who could just do things, right? That that usually prompts them to say, you know, watch, watch the trick play or watch the double pass or whatever it might be. You could you could spot some of those. So I'd always have that guy, especially that one when we throw it out to the sideline and then he throw it down the field. That guy was always coming off my sideline and staying on my on my side of the field. Yeah, and I and I think part of it too is you can be known as that team that, that even during the week, you know, the defensive coordinator is always talking about uh, uh, talking to their guys with that. These guys will run a bunch of tricks, so be careful. So back to that whole thing about you know you're kind of creating chaos, right? You're you're you, they're playing they're they're always kind of in their back of their mind that oh a trick's going to come up. So I think you have to if you if you you got to call them, you know, like. That's what I thought was so great with Chuck on Chuck's whole deal. Good or bad, however happened with the play, if you run a trick play and it makes four yards, then that's a successful right. trick play. You know, it doesn't have to be a touchdown, but you showed them some, a gimmicky, um, you know, something something out of the ordinary, which, which puts doubt in the defense mind. For sure. Well, Coach, as always, I enjoyed – the conversation, and as usual, I look forward to another week of games and uh, seeing what we come up with for next week. You got it, brother. Always uh, always enjoy to have this talk with you every Monday morning. It's crazy. You know, now, it, you, all of a sudden I get a text and I go, oh, my God, it's already Monday again. <laughs> when you're not working, you don't know what day it is. So the only reason I know it's the start of the week is because Keith called to text me. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. 